Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Monday, August 22nd. A new NBC News poll released this weekend finds democracy is the number one issue on people's minds nationally among those polled. It also finds a very close national race for control of the House and Senate, which they say is surprising since the party in power usually loses seats in the midterms, especially when most people see the country as being on the wrong track as the polls show that people do today and when the incumbent president is pretty unpopular, which Biden is. But even Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is acknowledging that Democrats might hold their Senate majority. And he implies, you'll have to read between the lines here, but he implies it's because too many Republican candidates might be too radical for America's tastes. Listen to McConnell. Well, I think there's, there's probably a greater likelihood the House, but the Senate, Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. I know he was pretty off mic there. That was probably hard for some of you to hear, but he said it was more likely for Republicans to take the House than the Senate because races are different statewide and candidate quality, as he put it, has a lot to do with it. We'll talk about what that means and more with Amy Walter, publisher and editor-in-chief of the Cook Political Report. You also see her as a PBS NewsHour political analyst every Monday and sometimes elsewhere. And, of course, she used to host The Takeaway here on Fridays. Amy Walter had an article on the Cook site last week called Vibe Shift, which picked up on some of these same trends and questions as the NBC News poll. Amy, always great to have you on. Welcome back to WNYC. Hi, Brian. It's so great to be with you. Can we start with democracy itself as perhaps the leading (laughs) issue nationally right now? I want to play a clip before you answer. Chuck Todd said this about the NBC News poll findings yesterday on NBC's Meet the Press. For the first time ever, when asked what is the most important issue facing this country, the top answer was not an economic issue. It was threats to the democracy, higher than cost of living or jobs or guns or even abortion. So this is the environment in which voters are going to the polls this November. Chuck Todd on Meet the Press yesterday. Uh, I think he's going to be a guest on this show tomorrow, by the way, Chuck Todd fans. But is that how it looks to the Cook Political Report, Amy? Yeah, you know, what's so interesting, Brian, if you think about elections, they really do follow, you know, the, a certain patterns, right? Whatever is front and center in voters' minds, a lot of that is driven by what's front and center in the media. Uh, What are people covering? What are people listening to or hearing about? And if you think about where we were, say, this point a year ago, what were we listening to, talking about, and experiencing? It was Afghanistan. It was COVID, right? We were still trying to figure out this whole Delta variant. Uh, It was inflation, Right. Those were the things that were really driving the conversation and top of voters minds. What have we done for the last, let's call it six to eight weeks, maybe even a little bit more. We've talked about we've had the January 6th um, 
hearings. Uh, certainly, that's been front and center. We've been talking a lot about Donald Trump, his involvement in these primaries, who he's endorsed, who he's you know uh, rallying behind, how many of the candidates that Donald Trump's supporting are election deniers, that many of those candidates have won their primaries. And then finally, the FBI investigation into uh, documents sitting in Mar-a-Lago. And that has really overshadowed almost any other news. I mean, obviously, the cost of living, inflation is still an issue that is top of mind for Americans. But in, in thinking about the other sort of stuff that's swirling out there, that's really um, been been front and center. And so you're right, when I'm, I'm looking at this NBC poll, and yes, threats to democracy tied with cost of living as among all voters as the top two issues mm -hmm. uh, that Americans say are out there. But then if you look at it by party, Democrats do see it as a top issue. 39% uh, of Democrats say that's their top issue, even compared to abortion, which is at 28%. Now, among Republicans, it's immigration that's still the top issue. And among independents, it's still the cost of living as the top issue. So I think that it is an issue that all candidates say is, I'm sorry, all parties uh, put an emphasis on. But in terms of where uh, Democrats see it, much more, uh, this is a driven, uh, in terms of a top issue, uh, as much by Democrats as anything else. I wonder if abortion rights is completely separable from the issue of democracy well, because point. of the Supreme Court. Right. I wonder if they overlap and some people who are very right. concerned about abortion rights might have said democracy is my number one issue. Or to, to the other point, it's like when we try to ask voters about the economy and healthcare, you know, those two things get intertwined too. If you're yeah. worried about the cost of your healthcare, is that an economic issue? Is that, an, is that a healthcare right. issue? So I do think you're right that, um, look, asking people to say, what are my, your top two concerns is complicated because, you know, we're all humans, right? We, we get cross pressured all the time. You have one <laughs> vote. So what is it going to be? What's driving you? to the polls and what's gonna help you make that decision. And, and I do think the fact that Donald Trump and this issue about January 6th and um, you know the, the continuing narrative among many Republicans that the election was stolen uh, is a net negative here for Republicans. When you think about the midterms, they wanted the election to be simply a referendum on Joe Biden and a referendum on the economy. Joe Biden still in that same poll we just referenced, pretty unpopular. He's at 42% job approval rating, only 30 something percent approve of the job he's doing on the economy. 70 plus percent of Americans still think the country's headed in the wrong direction. So these uh, on the surface would be terrible numbers for Democrats. And yet the enthusiasm number, the interest in the election has gone up among Democrats, and I think in large part because of of Trump and the focus on the you know what happened post election twenty twenty. To that point, I played that Mitch McConnell clip at the mm -hmm. top 
saying he thinks Democrats could hold the Senate this year and that candidate quality is one reason. Would it be right, in your opinion, to read between the lines and say that, you know, um, that, that there are these very Trumpy election deniers and people who want their states to have veto power over election results in some key races for Senate seats? Yeah. So we've seen a number of these Republican candidates, especially in a place like Pennsylvania, go through really bitter sort of uh, bruising primaries. And uh, they all were trying to find a way, although Republican candidates, to show their fealty to President, the former president, who, let's face it, still has a pretty significant and serious hold on Republican-based voters. By doing so, they moved pretty far out of the mainstream. And on issues, especially on issues like abortion, they also took positions far outside of the mainstream. No exceptions, for example, on issues um, relating to abortion. And so what we're seeing now is those candidates post-primary, they're trying to tack back to the middle, right? This happens every election. You have a, you have a primary where you got to try to get your base excited, but then in the general election, you got to get back to the middle to get those independent voters. And it's going to be harder for many of those Republicans. I think that's exactly what Senator McConnell was saying. It's going to be harder for those Republicans to be seen as credible um, on some of those issues, be uh, credible as a credible centrist, so to speak, because of the positions that they took during the primary or continue to take now. Um, if you're McConnell, you've been through this before. Um, in 2010, it, it wasn't Trump, but it was the Tea Party, and they were the disruptive force within the Republican Party. They were nominating all kinds of candidates who said they were going to come to Washington and and shake things up and kind of burn the whole thing down. And many of those candidates went on to lose in 2010 in what should have been very winnable races. So, uh, but in wait, wasn't 2010 a midterm election year, the first midterm elections during Obama, when yeah. the Republicans did really well and took control of the House away yeah. from the Democrats? They did, and they didn't take the Senate which everybody had predicted they would because the the wave was so big and so strong. And what prevented that flip was the, the quality of candidates. And that happened again in 2012. It wasn't a midterm year, but the map was very favorable to Republicans. And yet they failed to win in places like Missouri and Indiana, places that are very Republican because of candidate quality. In 2014, McConnell, Repu McConnell Republicans said, OK, no more of this. We're not letting these Tea Party people run our party. We're going to we're going to get more involved in these primaries mm. and get better candidates through. And they were very successful in 2014. But in the era of Trump, this ability to go in and sort of play in primaries has been really challenged because Donald Trump isn't interested in what Mitch McConnell wants. He's not particularly interested in what Mitch McConnell thinks or what the professionals in Washington think. And so he picks his candidates 
and he sticks with them. And uh, there's no guarantee that those candidates, even in a good year, are going to be able to succeed. Another critique from a listener, this one via Twitter, about a poll question. Uh, Listener writes, right direction, wrong direction, which you brought up before in the context of the NBC News poll, and I brought it up too, with the assumption that if people see the country is on the wrong direction, that's bad for the party in power. But the listener writes, if you're Democrat and worried about, you're worried about the rise of MAGA and the fight over the legitimacy of an election, you'd say wrong direction. Uh, if you're GOP with a Dem president, you'd say wrong direction too. So the right. question means nothing. Right. So what I'm looking for, it, it's, I do still think it's important because the intensity of it is important. And ultimately, the group of voters I'm super interested in are independent voters. These are voters who don't wake up every day putting on a red or a blue jersey. They probably vote overwhelmingly Republican or Democrat, you know, maybe not overwhelmingly is not the right word, consistently Democratic or consistently Republican. But they could sit out an election if they're feeling particularly uh, ambivalent about the party they normally vote for or angry with the party that they normally vote for. So they stay at home or they actually do change their mind. They say, you know, most of the time I vote Democratic, but I just feel like they're falling short, or most of the time I vote Republican, but I don't really like Donald Trump. Whatever it is, they come out and and their vote is really critical. We've seen in these last uh, four or five midterm elections, the party that won that midterm election, it's not just that they got their base out, they won independent voters by double digits. Right now, we're seeing um, Democrats only behind, we, we don't have much polling here, so we'll see it coming up in the next few weeks here, uh, only behind by um, a handful uh, with independent voters. Or mm-hmm. in this new NBC poll, they're actually ahead with independent voters by mm-hmm. two points. So that's a group of voters that I'm paying attention to. And then the other thing is optimism. Voters are were, have been very pessimistic. Whether we see voters as consumers, right? We're, we're looking at consumer data, the Michigan Consumer Index, I pay attention to voters were incredibly pessimistic in June, the most pessimistic about the state of the economy in the history of the Michigan Consumer Index. The mm. NBC poll, similar, even in the depths of the 2009 and 10 financial crisis, voters were not as pessimistic about the future as they were um, in, uh, in May. So what I'm curious to see is not simply do people just turn things around and say, oh, yeah, the uh, I feel great now about the economy. Of course not. They're not going to automatic it, it, to turn on a dime like that automatically just because gas prices went down, say the economy is great. But do they feel like the future is looking better, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel? That's another thing that could be helpful for Democrats. So if you can combine those two things, increasing optimism about the state of the economy, increasing pessimism among Democrats and independents about Republicans being in charge because they see them as a threat to democracy, that's a pretty good combination for Democrats. Joe in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, you're on WNYC. Hi, Joe. Hi, good morning. A long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, The question I have uh, concerns the real absence of 
public discussion of the Electoral College and the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact uh, predicated on my belief that the big lie could not exist if we had popular vote presidency rather than Electoral College presidency. And I'm wondering if your guest believes that the uh, swing toward democracy in the minds of voters on both sides of the uh, political spectrum presents an opportunity to have at least a discussion about what's wrong with the Electoral College and how the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact might address that issue. Joe, thank you for that question. And hold your answer on that. And Joe, be patient Mm -hmm. for one second, because I think Javier and Harlem wants to bring up something related. So we'll take the two of you together. Javier, you're on WNYC. Hi there. Hi. Hi, Brian. Hi, Ms. Walter. Uh, I guess um, I'm calling because I feel like the the concerns about democracy show that the system itself is just not reflective in, in, uh, you know, the way we vote or the way we believe in things like uh, winner take all versus proportional representation. Uh, Also, gerrymandering is a very big issue where the politicians choose the voters and not the other way around. I, and I guess my question is uh, to Ms. Walter is, do you believe that we should also be having deeper discussions about how the system itself works, such as the person who gets the most votes uh, wins all of uh, one district and is supposed to then represent that uh, uh, district, even though you know they don't have the same uh, uh, vision as the people who voted against them? Two really provocative questions, Amy, and yeah. deep, deep dive questions. Yeah. No, these are really, um, really good questions, and I'm just trying to uh, do my math here. So um, in, in looking at the Electoral College map for a second. Um, so it really gets to the, to the core question of, are, are there reforms that can be done that can help to alleviate what we're calling either threats to democracy, stress to democracy, lack of faith in our institutions that are, you know, everything from the Supreme Court to Congress to even just local elected officials. Um, and what we're, uh, we, we know that historically we have made changes, this country has made changes, when our institutions weren't sort of fulfilling what Americans thought their job should be. So, right, that back in the progressive era, we made changes to ensure that regular people could show up and vote in primaries rather than having elected officials basically chosen in in so-called, you know, smoke-filled back rooms. And that we had direct election of senators rather than letting the clubby atmosphere of the state legislatures pick who our United States senators were. So we've done reform in the past. What people talk about now to help some of these challenges that the listeners brought up were either one, this idea of a uh, a compact, the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, in which a state says it doesn't matter um, what, uh, it, it, whoever wins our uh, the popular, popular vote, vote, whoever wins the national popular vote, it, it doesn't matter what our state said, that's who should be um elected president. Do swing voters have a say for control of Congress in a meaningful way? Or, as we sometimes hear, is turnout of each party's base by far now the overriding concern, which, of course, if that's true, 
that there really aren't that many swing voters left. And so it's really all about turnout. That would push each party to cater to their base and polarize right. more. I'll give you Donald Trump as the example. Donald Trump ran on a base only campaign in 2016. Actually, I'd argue much more in 2020 than he did even in 2016. That did not win him an election because he lost independent voters in 2020. His party lost independent voters by double digits in 2018. Catering to your base can get you 46, 47 percent, but it does not get you to 50. So you can definitely look at swing voters or whatever we want to call them, independents, and say they're a pretty small percent of the overall electorate. Sure, they are a pretty small percent of the overall electorate. But with elections being determined by 10,000, 20,000 votes per state uh, or per congressional district, those voters really, really do matter. So turnout matters, but I think of your base, but you can't win if you are alienating swing voters. And, and Trump gets, proved it. And it gets back to Mitch McConnell's point in the clip we played exactly. because that becomes more of a factor. The swing voters become more of a factor in statewide elections gerrymandering of house districts right. makes it a little less salient in the political races because sure. whichever party has control of the state legislature in a given state can tweak the political, the congressional districts in, uh, in their favor, uh, but certainly in the statewide races for Senate and governor. And there we leave it with Amy Walter, publisher and right. editor-in-chief of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter. You also can see her as a PBS NewsHour political analyst every Monday night on the PBS NewsHour. So Amy will be watching tonight. And thanks so much for so much time this morning. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, Brian. Thanks so much. Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.